0: Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 149 and 150. In the book of Psalms, there's actually five books. Five books in the book of Psalms. And the amazing thing is, it starts with Psalm 1. It's a revelation some of you need to write down. And it ends with Psalm 150. Psalm 1 has got six verses. Psalm 150 has six verses. Are you all ready? Are you all ready to listen? Okay, I'm going to go for it and go as quick as I can. But Psalm 6 talks about how blessed is the man. In other words, it talks about the man that does whatever is written in that Psalm is blessed. But Psalm 150 talks about the praise of God. So one is the blessings of a man, and the other is the praise of God. It's really interesting. It's really great. Psalm 1 stands as the doorkeeper to the entire Psalms and says, if you want to be blessed, don't walk in evil, but meditate on the Lord. Then you will be like the tree planted by rivers of living water. And it escalates through the entire Psalms. Psalms weaves you through the tapestry of life and what your response should be like. There are kinds of Psalms, for example, that the psalmists would sing in times of victory, in times of tragedy, in times where they were personally down and they would say, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. There were reflective psalms, there were direct psalms that praised God. But the powerful thing about it is that Psalms ends in the fifth book it ends in particularly the last five psalms. In fact, you can take it right the way back to Psalm 95 and Psalm 96, and it just begins to escalate, and it ends up with a crescendo in Psalm 150. In six short verses, praise ye the Lord, which is translated into the Hebrew by the word Hallelujah. In six verses, Hallelujah is repeated, Thirteen times in six verses. The first verse has hallelujah, praise the Lord three times. And then each verse thereafter twice. It is a psalm that encapsulates or or, um, grasps the whole being, the whole person. In six short verses, nine different musical instruments are mentioned. So much so that many of the commentators say, this is the musician's psalm because there's nine instruments mentioned. It's not just vocal. It's not just a cappella psalms. This is a psalm for musicians. Those six short verses encompass the whole being. And when it reaches its climax, it reaches its crescendo. It's involving all of our beings, all of our breath. It's involving every person. It's involving instruments. It's involving everything. And it escalates to a place of, let's say it together, high High praise. Everybody say high praise. Look at the person next to you and say high praise. But of course it's preceded by Psalm 149. Psalm 149 is really awesome and it's very close to Psalm 150. But in Psalm 149, it talks about and refers to exactly the fact that in verse 6, in fact that we need to have the high praises of God in our mouths and a two-edged sword. In our hands. The beautiful thing about Psalm 149, as it's part of the escalation, as it's part of ascending into a place of high praise, he uses this verse in verse 6 to show us that all high praise is truth based, it's word based, because he says it's with the high praises of God in our mouths. The Hebrew says they've got the high praise of God in their throats. In other words, it's not just a mental thing. It comes from a deep place inside of our hearts where it utters out of our throats. In in other words, you know, it's not just something that we mutter. It's something we utter. It's something we declare. And so high praise right throughout the Bible is not silent praise. It's clamorous praise. Woo! Kind of like we started doing this morning. Everybody say clamorous praise exuberant praise. I'm trying to think of all the English words. You know, ecstatic praise, loud praise. And this terrifies the silent. Oh, does that mean I've got to shout? Yeah. Okay? For all those conservative people, it means that somewhere along the line, you lift the volume more than you would ordinarily. It means that we get into clamorous praise. And uh, the amazing thing is, it doesn't include, it doesn't mean tongues necessarily, but it includes tongues. Is that okay? It's in your known home language, but then you can switch over into tongues. Not Singing in tongues is not high praise, but it can be part of high praises. So Psalm 159 becomes a sublime book. It's the musician's psalm and uh, psalm 1 stands as the gatekeeper psalm 150 brings it to a close the interesting thing is we don't know who wrote it we don't know when it was written it seems like whoever collated the psalms discovered this psalm and put it together because of its order and put it together right at the end because at the end of the day everything that the psalm is about is giving glory to god and praise to god Amen. So it's an unknown. There are different people say different things about it. Psalm 149, for example, you know, with the high praises of God in our mouths and a sharp two-edged sword in our hands, it inflicts judgment. It binds kings and uh, rulers with fetters of iron. In other words, it's talking about the effect of praise that praise has. You now it's amazing that one commentator, and I think he's correct, says that this psalm was sung by the Israelites when they began the conquest of Canaan. They were militant. They were ready to go in and take the land. Amen. So in their praising, they declared the word of the Lord. In their praising, they began to repeat the promises of God. And he says, you know what it's like? It's like we're going into a battle with the high praises of God in our mouths. And the two-edged sword in our hands, we are assured of victory. Amen? High praise is militant praise. High praise executes judgment on every enemy. And of course, not on people, but on spiritual forces of darkness. And so high praise is really, really important. So I just want to break it down. First thing about high praise, what is high praise? It's giving praise to God. And it's vocalizing, it's verbalizing. It's using a vocabulary. So the first thing that I want to mention, the first point that I want to mention, it's words of wonder. Words of wonder. Very often what happens in life, life has a way of jading us and we lose our wonder of God. Remember when you first got saved, the sky was bluer, the grass was greener, the birds sang sweeter, When you first got saved, you were unleashed on humankind. You wanted to cast out every devil, lay hands on every sick. You wanted to tell everybody the good news about Jesus. Remember that? And then the religious people would tell you that you'll calm down soon enough. And uh, they just wanted you to become like them. You know, and so it's words of wonder. In other words, words that have got deep meaning to you. Words that grip your heart and help to express The awe that you experience when you think about or meditate on God. And so it's very interesting that in Psalm 149, verse 2, it says, in verse 1, it says, Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song. Woo! And that's repeated right throughout the Bible. It tells us that in Isaiah 42, Psalm 33, Psalm 96, Revelation 5, and Revelation 14. It talks about, and they sang a new song. Tell the person next to you, I'm ready to hear a new song come out of your mouth. A new song. So what is the psalmist talking about here? He's talking about the fact that when a new revelation comes, it's time to write down a new song. Amen? Amen. And if you look at the development of praise and worship throughout of history, you will see how themes and new truths have been sung very often. The musicians, the worshipers were getting the revelation before the preachers, and they were starting to sing about it way before because they were singing new songs that they were getting from meditation and bringing revelation out, you know what I'm saying? And unfolding something and bringing it into it. So God had to institute new songs. Is that all right? And so it's time for a new song. So the psalmist says, come on, it's time for a new song. We need to sing a new song unto God. And so there's a place for new songs. But another, and this is where the bulk of the meaning is very often, is that you can sing the same old song with a new understanding, new heart of revelation, new appreciation, and suddenly it has got meaning. So this morning, I was just thinking, you know, there's a song that I absolutely hate. But I was sitting singing it while I was preparing this morning, early this morning. And I said, God, what song is an old song for me that I need a new revelation on? And immediately the Holy Spirit said, Bind us together, Lord, bind us. But I detest that song. It's a bit like going up to the high places and what was that other one that we used to sing oh the ancient of days oh my goodness i mean if i heard the notes when the band was practicing i would want to throw up go jesus please not ancient of days (laughs) ancient of days i love you but that song we've done it we've killed it it's dead Oh, ancient of days but you get a revelation on that it's a powerful song you get a fresh revelation, you'll sing that song new. And so, you know, high praise is a new song in the sense that they words of wonder. In other words, you've recaptured some revelation, some truth, some glory of God, and you're singing that song again as if it's the first time you've ever sung it in your whole lives. Amen? And so high praises, high praises, with the high praises of God in my mouth. And so we need to be getting into a place of high praise. So it's words of wonder. Sing a new song unto the Lord. So it's singing it with new revelation. It's amazing how you can come back to a revelation of God that you've lost. And it just has fresh meaning. All right. Words of truth second one, words of truth. I don't like reading the apocryphal books, maybe for interest sake, but I don't like reading them from the point of view is that a lot of weird doctrines are in the church because people read it and they think it's scripture. It's not scripture. It's not inspired. That's why it's not in our canon of scripture. That's That's why they've come up with this weird thing from the book of Enoch that, you know, the sons of God that slept with the daughters of men were angels that co with women. And that's where, like, for example, Goliath and all that came. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. So I don't like reading it. But every now and then, you can find something in there that's like, well, okay. But I will always check it against the word. So I don't have an interest in reading the apocryphal books. If there was scripture, at the council that our church fathers sat and forged out the canon of scripture to be included, but they're spurious writing. so we don't have them. But there's a book very similar to Ecclesiastes in the Apocryphal, and it's called Ecclesiasticus. And in chapter 15 and verse 10, it says this, for praise shall be uttered in wisdom and the Lord will prosper it. Now that's close to Scripture, okay, without being Scripture. And so one of the things that needs to happen is when we go into high praise, which is basically the climax of all praise and all worship is high praise. That's where every week the band is attempting to take us um, into a place of high praise where you really engage with God, where you come out of an awareness of yourself into a total awareness of Him, where you move away from self-orientation to Christ-orientation, where you move off of a self-awareness and a self-focus into a complete lostness and a God focus. Is that okay? Ruth Ward Heflin used to say this. She used to say, say, sing until the spirit of praise comes. Praise until the spirit of worship comes. Worship until the glory falls. And it's that place, it's that place that high praise takes us to. And it's where there's a clarity, where there's a focus, where there's a spirit-inspired articulation. And you know you're praising and worshiping by the Spirit. So it's words of truth. So in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus spoke to the woman there. And he said, not that mountain, not that mountain. Time is coming because God is looking for worshipers who worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. And so they're words of truth. In other words, they're true words declared about God. In other words, we need to be worshiping him in truth. So you don't say, oh God, I praise you because you're a wicked, judgmental God. God, you're a full of wrath and I, and I give you glory and praise. You're so stingy and mean. You don't, it's in truth, in line with revelation of God. Is that okay? That's why our doctrines are important. That's why we need to be taught the word. Because we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. And so we worship him in truth, according to the revelation of the word. Very interesting. But remember the parable of the talents. And the man owner, the rich man, he gave one five talents, one two talent, one one talent. And the person with five talents went and earned five more. With two, the one with two earned two more. The one with one talent buried it and hid it because his revelation of his master was completely different to the other two. His revelation of the master was, I knew that you were a harsh, wicked man and that you would harvest where you hadn't Well, Well, how did you get the one? You know, the master gave it to you. So he sowed it to you, did he not? And so he said, oh, so I'm wicked. And is that your revelation of me? Well, you'll be rewarded according to your revelation. So take the one. And give it to the one who has five, because he has a revelation of my goodness. Amen. Amen. And so our revelation of God is so important, our understanding of him. And um, so our worship needs to be worshiping in spirit and in truth. That constitutes high praise. Words of faith. Words of faith. High praise is declared words. It's declaration of God. It's speaking back who he is. But they're words of faith. Just by the way, It's really interesting referring back to high praise. One of the American wars, and it may even be the Second World War, because, you know, there were a lot of Christians fighting in those wars. They came up with a saying that's very close to high praise. They said, praise the Lord, pass the ammo. Okay, you can laugh. Let's just say it again for Those who missed it, praise the Lord, past the ammo, past the ammo, praise the Lord, because they realized that no battle will be won without giving glory to God. So they'll say, We will fight, we will do our part, we'll do what we can do, we'll fight, past the ammunition. But hey, let's get our focus right, let's praise the Lord, amen. And so praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. When Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall, they had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. They said, we will build and we will defend. We will build and we will defend. God is with us. Is that okay? And there's that element that comes in to high praise, especially when they're words of faith. So high praise can go like this. High praise can go. Lord, I praise you because you said, that you are the healer. You are Jehovah-Rohé, the Lord our healer. I praise you because you said you would not bring on us any of the diseases that are out there in this world. I praise you that SARS virus and coronavirus will not touch us and not be our portion. Father, I declare that you said that one of the benefits of serving you is that you forgive all my sins and you heal all my diseases. So, God, I want to thank you and praise you for all of the benefits. Every one of my sins is forgiven. All of my diseases and ailments are healed. You said in Isaiah 53 that by your stripes I am healed. You said that you bore my griefs and my pains and my sorrows. You said you took them away. By your stripes I am healed. Lord, you repeated it in Matthew 8, 17, in 1 Peter chapter 2. So, God, I declare and I give you praise. These are faith words. These are true words. These are words of wonder. I give you high praise. He is the Lord that healeth me. Amen. High praise is so important in the whole thing of praise. It's not just matter-of-fact praise. It's not off pat praise. It's not routine praise. It's not religious praise. It's not learned by rote. It's something that comes out of the heart. It's a reflection of truth that has become true to you. And then they become faith words that becomes a sword in your hand as you go. So praise the Lord, Pastor Ammonition. Then they are words of power. Amen. I don't know if you've ever read Psalm 149. Let's have a look from verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and His praise in the congregation of the saints. So what we're doing is scriptural. Amen? So where are we to sing praise? In the congregation. So look at the person next to you say, hey, that's you. So (laughs) we're singing in the congregation. And then he says, let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in the king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Woo, 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 woo. So you don't have to say anything. You can just dance, man, dance, 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 and you're praising the Lord, isn't it? Praise him with a timbrel in the harp, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Isn't that awesome? Don't ever come in here thinking God's disappointed with you, upset with you, mad with you, angry with you, anything else, other than he takes pleasure in his people. He beautifies the meek with salvation. Let the saints be miserable. Let the saints be down. No, let the saints be. Okay, come on, make a joyful. Let me see. Put on your joyful face. Woo-hoo! Happy, happy. Make a joyful, let the saints be joyful in glory, and this is for those who are not here this morning. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Repent, get into church. All right. Let the what? High praises of God be in their mouth, and a turgid sword in their hand. To what? To execute vengeance. Upon the heathen and punishment upon the people. Now we remember we said it's not people, it's demonic forces. To bind those demonic kings with chains, their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Woo! God gave you the honor to go into high praise with the high praises of God in your mouth and a sword in your hand. And as you're declaring it, those things that stand against you, the chief one, you know, the main one, the king one, you know, the leader demon, you're going to bind them with fetters of iron. Amen. Bars of iron, you're going to bind them. They can't get out of it. You're going to restrict their movement, restrict their activity. Listen, it's the wrong response. So first of all, you will surprise, shock and amaze them, you know, uh, or in terror and so you bind the you will execute the judgment the things that were written in other words every promise of god everything god spoke to you every prophetic word to see it come to pass start to declare back if there's any opposition if there's anything coming against you you're going to start to bind them listen i don't know about you but i'm sick and tired of being bound with stuff I'm sick and tired of being bound with people's opinions, people's criticisms, people's whatever, people's stuff. I'm sick and tired of the devil and demons and anything else. I'm tired of it. But it's good if I get up with the high praises of God in my mouth and I start inflicting the binding. I start executing the judgment because this honor was given to me by Him. But it will take you to get off of your blessed assurance to stand and having done all to stand, to open your mouth and let Him fill it with high praises singing unto the Lord so words of power words of power Paul said to the Corinthian church he said I come to you with power not just with words but with power and what he was saying is I am going to speak words but I want you to understand they're not just vain words they're not just empty words When I come and speak and address you, then we'll see who these super apostles are because I'm coming to you with power because the kingdom of God is not a matter of speech only, but of power. So come on, if those words have gripped you and they're words of wonder and they are words of truth, they will be words of power. Hallelujah. So there will be words of power and then there will be words of faith. Psalm 102 verse 12. This was on the occasion... When the Egyptian army tried to re-arrest the Israelites, had them cornered against the desert on one side, sea on the other, they began to cry out to God, cry out to Moses. Moses cried out to God. God said to Moses, Moses said to the people, this enemy that you see today, have a good look at them. Have a good look. It's the last time you will see them. You will not see them again. Come on, we need to get to a place. Church, you need to get to a place. I need to get to a place that the enemy that faces me, that pursues me. Let me have one more affectionate look at it and declare it's the last time you and I will see each other. You know, it's kind of what Moses said to Pharaoh in the court. It's the last time you see me. Until you, call me to say, let the people go. It's time to stop negotiating, patty caking. It's time to get militant. The greatest way to get militant is with the high praises of God in your mouth, two-edged sword in your hand, and say, listen, suckers, <laughs> this is the last time. What did Moses do? He held out the rod of authority all night, that stick that symbolized authority, and basically said, I will hold this thing out until this water parts." I'll hold it out. And that parted water became the destruction of the Egyptian army. And the next morning when it was all over, Moses got with the men and Miriam got with the women. And they began to sing. Woo-woo. Yeah. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The and the is thrown into the sea. Amen. And we used to sing those songs. And the thing is, they began to sing this song. I want to tell you, that was high praise. Amen? Amen? It was symbolized by Moses holding that rod of authority just persistently, consistently through the night and saying, these waters will part. This enemy will be defeated. It's a symbol of high praise and intercession. When Joshua entered into the promised land, they took Jericho. But because of Achan, um, sin came into the camp. When they went to attack Ai, a much smaller fortified city that they should have taken with a few men, they were defeated. And then they discovered what the problem was. They sorted the problem out. They went back to Ai, and Joshua stood with his rod pointed at the city. He's Asagai. He just pointed it at the city. Persistent, continuous, high praise, prayer, intercession, and the city fell. Amen? Come on. It's time for the church to get into high, high, high praise. Hallelujah. So they're words, words of faith. And so it says this in Psalm 102 verse 12. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. Then they believed his promise and they sang his praise. Then they believed his promise and they sang his praise. praise. Come on. We get it very often reversed. It's like, Then I believed his promise. Nothing's changed. And then I sang his praise. And then the rest is history. Part of high praise, words of faith means it ain't happened yet, but I believe it will. Then they believed his promise, and they sang his praise. Is that okay? They got it a little bit the wrong way around. God wants us to get it the right way around. I mean, some of you are just looking at me like, really? Really, Pastor John? Are you getting something from this? Okay? High praise. High praise. Ecstatic praise. Exuberant praise. Heartfelt praise. Your throat filled with praise to God. Amen? Truthful praise. Meaningful praise. You know, it's powerful praise. It's, uh, it's faith praise when you do that, there's a sword in your hands. And God starts to move. God starts to perfect because you're worshiping in wisdom. Right? And God starts to honor and God starts to perfect and God starts to bring to completion the praise. Listen, the enemy of your soul is dreading this message. And dreading the time when you stand up and say, with the high praises of God in my mouth. If we can go this route rather than the depression route. If we can go this route then rather than the miserable route. Come on, I said it last week. When you get the sponge against the wall and you push it, praise must come out. That's the right reaction for believers. When I'm under pressure, praise comes out. Last one. Isaiah 29 Verse 13, I've mixed two different translations. But you can go and have a look at it. It's quoted again in the New Testament. These people praise me with words, but they never really think about me. They have removed their hearts from me. High praise is heartfelt. High praise is a heart that is arrested with the glory of God. High praise is felt praise. High praise is emotional praise. High praise is devotional praise. The high praises of God in my mouth, I am so captured by God, I'm so captured by His truth, that when I stand and I praise, it comes from a place inside of me. See, the devil can mess with, and people can mess with an intellect, but when there's something that is heartfelt, when something has gripped your heart, they cannot easily persuade you off of it because it's a conviction, not assent. It's conviction. So it comes from a deep place inside of you, and you can say, you can debate, you can challenge me, you can throw out every scientific reason, but I tell you, I feel it in here. I've been gripped. So the writer says that my soul, my heart, has been stirred with a the noble theme. Therefore is my tongue, like the pen of a ready writer, what he gives to me, I will tell. Amen. And so, I think it's 2 Samuel 6. I think it's 2 Chronicles 15 and 16. When David brought the ark back, there was high praise. Mikael despised him. She was barren. David said, you ain't seen nothing yet. I, I would be even more foolish, even more exuberant. I'll make even more of a bigger fool of myself to praise my God. Why? Because he was preceding, leading the procession that was bringing back the arm. And you know what they were singing? You know what they were singing? God is good, and his mercies endure. In 2 Chronicles, that was 1 Chronicles 15 and 2nd. 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, with the dedication of the temple. And now Solomon, his son, is leading them in the dedication of the temple. And you'll never guess what happens. The glory of God comes in. The fire falls. Priests can't stand to perform their duty. And the people go ecstatic wild. And you know what they sing? The Lord is and is endures forever. In Second Chronicles 20, from verse 20 onwards, when Jehoshaphat and Israel were under threat, and God says through the prophets, point the singers, send Judah first. Go out, let them lead the battle. He'll never guess what they were singing. He is good. And his mercies endureth forever. When they just laid the foundation for the new temple, with Ezra, they decide to get together and, and dedicate the foundation of the building. The young people, the younger generation they'd never seen, the older generation, were weeping so loud because it was nothing like the old. But the new generation had nothing to compare it with. And they started to praise God so loud because did not God say the glory of the latter shall be greater than the glory of the former? The weeping by the older generation was so loud it was only matched and drowned out by the younger generation giving glory to God and singing and praising. And never guess what they sang. He's good and His mercies endureth forever. With the high praises of God in their mouths. Come on, let's just try it a bit. You know, a bit of high praise. High praise, high praise, high praise, high praise. Are you ready? Look at the person next to you and say, praise with me. Say, praise in the congregation. Say, with the high praises of God in your mouth, you will have a sharp two-edged sword in your hand. Tell somebody next to you. Tell somebody. Say, the high praises of God in your mouth, sharp two-edged sword in your hand. Say, come on, we're going to bind kings with fetters of iron. We're going to inflict vengeance on the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Amen.